This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Teresa. How are you? Thank you. I am great and excited to be here. Yeah. Now, as always, I love that we get a chance to chat before things start off. Gives a great sense of where things are going. And and I can tell you're just a stand-up person. Like, hey, what's up? Let's get things going. You're always ready for whatever is going to come our way. And I think it makes it makes me curious about this question that I love asking people. And that is, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs? Mm. Not really. My dad worked in accounting for years until he retired. But I did grow up, we had a small farm and they had some cows on the side and he did woodworking and still does as a hobby. And so my parents kind of had some hobby type businesses along the side, some crafts and things like that. So it wasn't really entrepreneurial, but they are creative and logical, super logical problem solvers. And so trying to kind of then take that a step further now has been really interesting and all the possibilities now with the internet and Google and meeting people all over the world that things like that weren't an option when I was growing up. I mean, we just had an old archaic computer at home that I love to play on and learn the old DOS programming back in the day. It was great, but yeah, just the the difference in things that are available now for my kids and the things they can learn it's insane the possibilities so i guess back to your question not directly as entrepreneurs per se but definitely a family of problem solvers yeah. and logical thinkers i'm glad that you said it that way and then to add to this right to this layer of mystery you also uh, have focused on education a lot, right? Uh, you yourself you got a master's in education, which is a rarity, I think, for most entrepreneurs. Not all entrepreneurs were able to follow that path. So I think that's also what makes this an interesting conversation is you went that route and then continue to do work that I think sort of rides alongside academia to some degrees because it involves grants and things of that nature. So what made you pursue the the education route? Was it something, a goal that you always had in mind yourself? Part of it was because I was interested in so many things. I had a hard time narrowing it down. <laughs> I mean, I was to the end of my freshman year in college and running out of all the basics that I could take. And it was time to decide on a major. And I, I truly was just struggling. And so finally, I just went to my pastor and was like, can you just help me figure this out? And I sat down with him, which was so unlike me at the time, but he was like, you know, what if you look at it as where could you make the most difference and where could you make the most impact? And special education sounds like there's a really huge need 
And what if you really look at that? And so the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, he's right. I really do enjoy that. And I liked the idea of helping invest in the future in that way. And so I went into special ed because that was more niche. And at the time, there was a pretty high demand in that area, which probably always will be. And learned a lot. And then after I taught for several years, we started a family, my husband and I. And so I wanted to stay home with our kids. But I had, like you said, just gotten this master's degree, had this experience and wanted to help supplement our family's income. So then I had the opportunity to get into grant writing. And I was really surprised, as unexpected as that was, sounded like completely different. Actually, a lot of the skills I learned in special education applied to the grant writing realm, writing goals and objectives, writing a really good, solid description of the program. I had to do that for students and their education plans. So a lot of those things translated and then also writing grants for schools and education. I could speak the language. I understood their challenges, their concepts, the needs, how to do the research from my master's program. So it translated better than I could have expected. I wouldn't have thought, okay, if I want to be a grant writer someday, I'll go get a special ed degree. (laughs) But the way it worked out, it really translated well. And I've heard so many people say that they're like, I never meant to get into grant writing, but my background in business or my background in this, whatever area really worked well. And I think that's what people often don't realize is how many skills translate to nonprofit work in general from the business world and other areas that if you get into it, you can learn a little bit extra, but it's not like you're starting from scratch. Interesting. I imagine at some point you landed uh, into some work with uh, nonprofits because I, I can see that a lot of them right away would have an incredible need for somebody who actually can accomplish that. Is that sort of where you got your start and foot, like uh, going beyond academia? Yes. I wanted, I had always thought grant writing sounded interesting and, you know, it made my little nerd heart kind of go pitter pat with <laughs> the thought of the research and writing and helping nonprofits find funds, but I didn't know where to start. And back in those days, Google wasn't a thing yet and there was nothing online. And I had heard of a lady nearby who did grant writing. So I called her and asked if she'd be willing to meet for coffee. And she graciously said, sure, I'd be happy to. So we talked for about an hour and I just asked so many questions. And at the end, she said, you know, I'm looking to add somebody to my team if you'd be interested. And I jumped at the chance and she wrote big federal grants. So it was like just immediately being dropped off in the deep end of the ocean. But it was amazing because I learned so much from her for a couple of years. And then when we moved away, I branched out on my own as a consultant and Word of mouth really was pretty easy to start getting clients on my own. However, there were a lot of things about building the business and negotiating contracts with clients and a lot of mistakes that I made in those early years, not knowing any better. And so then after several years of learning and figuring that out on my own, I realized, you know, I could teach other grant writers this and help them fast forward and avoid some of those pitfalls and be able to be more successful with their careers in a more direct route <laughs> than what I took. 
Oh, wow. I, there's so many things that I know Jason can speak to on that as somebody who understands course development, business scaling, and focusing on work that actually does it the most impact it possibly can. So I'll turn it over to, to Jason here to chime in. Well, you know what? What I love about what you do is you have the opportunity to impact a lot of people, right? And, right. And it's, it is direct, but then again, it's so indirect for the end user, right? And, you know, especially in the nonprofit space, right? Because you get a beautiful grant for a nonprofit. Usually the end user doesn't even realize it, right? Um, yes. So, so the effect of that is, is it's, it's literally like chucking a rock into water, right. And watching the ripples go. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's a, that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, the, as far as the business side of things, well, everybody makes mistakes, right. On the business end of it and gets themselves into a bad deal every now and then or whatever. Right. And, but <laughs> But those are things we just learn from. We learn and lessons learned and and pick yourself back up, put the cap back on and well, put the cap back, take the cap back off the pen. And, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, keep writing, sure. keep doing for the sure. writing, right? So, and to what you said, the ripple effect after doing that and winning several grants, it was pretty incredible that I could be at home with my young kids from my laptop. You know, I did all of it from home. I might go visit a client on site now and then, but I could do my work behind the scenes. I could submit some powerful, compelling applications and make a huge impact on an entire community or a whole school district. Just, you know, and I felt like just little old me with my kids climbing all over and, you know, squeezing it in between nap time and stuff. I mean, it wasn't always easy, but it was so rewarding being a part of that and knowing that I can make a pretty big difference for these families, these kids, these communities, even though, you know, I still can fulfill what I felt drawn to at the time was being home when my kids were young and really helping be, my husband's job's kind of crazy and the schedule was really insane. So I could be the consistent presence at home and keep things running and still make such an impact. And that was a really cool thing. And then that's why I shifted into teaching it because I can't possibly write all the grants for all the incredible causes out there that I can teach others to do it more effectively. And I can work with nonprofits on a better strategy to help them build their capacity so they can write more grants. And then together, it's an even bigger ripple effect, like you were saying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, creating content, because it sounds like that's where you're heading now. It's like developing the content or, or hosting webinars. Either way, the planning and the strategy for that is a whole other piece that you have to get into. Uh, were you prepared for that as well, based on your background with academia and all that and planning curriculums and things of that nature? That helped a lot because I think a lot of that is more natural for me just to think through like what would make this more interesting because let's face it, a lot of college material can be kind of dry and a lot of curriculum <laughs> in textbooks. So it's like, you know, this can be more practical and real world experience and I can pull in actual scenarios from 
situations I've had with clients, or I can pull samples from other applications and say, how would you rewrite this? Or here's how I presented the data more effectively and some examples of that. So it has been very useful to understand how to also mix up types of materials, some of it hands-on, some of it interactive, some of it like, okay, go think about this and work on it yourself and come back and we'll talk about it. So that's been really useful to have that already kind of ingrained in how I approach it compared to someone that maybe didn't understand the process of teaching and education. At the time, I had no idea <laughs> I'd be using it for something like this, but it's been a really fun way to kind of spin that around and use it in a different way to be effective as well. Yeah. I mean, I can see it sounds meta, but you could easily not only make courses for writing grants, but then courses about how to make courses. It's because of mm -hmm. just by the nature of what it is that you do and you have to teach it in such a way that it's readily accessible for anyone. Uh, so there's a lot of, I think, innate qualities that you have, not only your skill set, but that you're uh, faced with. Uh, tasked with overcoming and achieving that I think it makes for an interesting conversation. And I wanted to make sure to highlight that for anyone listening, because uh, th there's also that the room for that, if you're open to that, to that mm -hmm. conversation. Right. So, that sounds fun too. Yeah. Yeah. But with that said, uh, wh what are you focused on now? I am focusing on a couple of things. One is my courses have recently been approved for university credit, which is kind of an exciting milestone. And I would really like to continue expanding that training aspect of that to support grant writers. And a lot of the training out there, it's hard to find at universities or it's just, it's not as well known. So I'd really like to help support that aspect to where grant writers feel like they have a good practical foundation to where they feel confident going into nonprofit work. And then on the nonprofit side of things, people come to me thinking they need grants right away and that'll rescue us. But really, they need to step back and think strategically about it. You wouldn't start immediately building a house like, okay, let's go buy some lumber and just start building. You would think through, okay, what land do we want to put this on? What kind of blueprints and house plan do we want? We need a good foundation. You'd start with those pieces before you even touch a hammer and nail with and the boards. So it's the same way with grant strategy. It's a lot more effective and sustainable if you think through the strategy piece of that. So on the nonprofit side, I'm really working to help nonprofits build a solid strategy and build those relationships with funders so it can be more sustainable funding long-term. Yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation to be had because I, I can think of a number of times I've worked with nonprofits and they are always chasing the sponsor. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a way to probably turn that around. So it's them interested in working with you, which is supposed to be the whole point of it all, right. Instead of you chasing them, but that's right. a that's a whole other conversation, I think, for all of us to to dive in on because I'm sure we've all had that experience. Uh, so that's really cool. Congratulations on on getting the uh, accreditation, uh, getting that certified. That's that's going to for sure help because professors, you name it, they all need to know about grant writing. I've had a number of experiences even with the arts and in the city and how you can get that written for you. So grants is a really really niche and 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 specific but yet powerful. Uh, direction to head in. Uh, so speaking back to what we were all talking about earlier, that impact is like heavy 
And like you said, you get to do that from home, which a lot of people feel they have to make that decision, right? I'm either working on something. And even if I'm working from home, I got to like, the work I do requires that I'm, that I'm quiet, I'm, I'm alone, I'm doing this, but you've been able to sort of do all that. And that's, it's inspiring to a lot of entrepreneurs, I imagine. I mean, I love hearing the stories of Jason and like how he gets to manage his family life while still doing work. Uh, it's often what I get to hear. And I just think that's the goal, right? Like being an entrepreneur and being able to do that within the freedom and the flexibility, all of those things, they just make so much sense in the day and age that we live in today. And for both of you, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on how we can encourage other entrepreneurs who are listening to to really see that as a possibility, because a lot of them still don't believe that it's possible to find a way to make their work make sense for working at home while being with their families. Because if anybody knows anything about entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to sacrifice family for the sake of we're doing this for our family, right? The irony of that. Yes. So yeah, I will say, I don't want to paint a rosy picture that it's so perfect and pristine and easy. (laughs) It's certainly messy and sometimes chaotic and it's changed in different seasons. Like when my kids started school, it looked different than when they were toddlers. And now that they're both teenagers and we have one in college, it looks different than when they were younger. And now I'm actually starting to hire them to help with some of my business aspects, which is really cool to see their skills and ideas and the things they bring to the table. I'm kind of blown away by it. So it's shifted over time, but I don't want to pretend like it's been easy or perfect by any means. (laughs) If that's hopefully, I mean, that as an encouragement to people, like, it's not like I have it all wonderfully figured out. We're just (laughs) going with it. (laughs) Snow days hit, sickness hits, things, you know, meetings kind of end up being chaotic. Sometimes I record a podcast when people are playing the piano or running around and whatever. We just, we just roll with it. (laughs) And sometimes that's just messy human life. And I've learned to be okay with that and try to enjoy it more than being frustrated by it. But it's, it's a constant, constant work in progress. So uh, Jason, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, from your perspective. Yeah. Well, I think you said it best when you said it's a season, right? Cause it's like children. You have when they're babies, that's a season, right? And then they're two, there's another season, right? And then they're five and there's another season and so on and so forth, right? Well, business is no different. It's all life cycle. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And, you know, I I would, would say that every new business goes through all those same seasons. You're a startup. That's an infant. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps you up at night. (laughs) Right. And then you get to year two or three. That's another season. Then you get to year five. Well, now you've beaten the odds and now it's, you're in that next season to scale and all these different things. Right. So it's very just compatible to life. And most of the time I, I try not to focus on, because I think you should your family should be a part of your business as much as possible. Right. And, you know, geez, just before we started this podcast, my son was standing at the door, like, (laughs) (laughs) you better come here and talk to me real quick. 
bring him on to uh, say hi. You know, so I did. I went out and talked to him. I didn't go like, you need to go away. Right. So you got to, you got to like, you have to enculture it into your life because your, your business should work for you, not against you. Right. And that doesn't mean there's times you don't go, son, just give me 20 minutes. I'll be right back. Right. Or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but sometimes we also put ourselves in the situation to let it impede. (laughs) So, so removing yourself from it also helps. Um, but we've lived in such a different time for the last couple of years where people work from home, they had to have their kids at home you know, so on and so forth. I run a staffing agency and I have staff that got their kids are running around in the background. It's like, I don't care, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know, let's not be rigid. Right. And, you know, to anybody that would ever tell me or, or say to somebody, you know, you need to make sure your kids aren't in the background. I'd be like, piss off, man. <laughs> Jeez. Are you kidding me? You know, that's the, that's not the time we live in. The old school stuff, a lot of that's gone and nobody wants to be a part of that anymore. So, so I think we just in culture things and at the end of the day, we do the best we can with it. Right. And that's the key. Make it work for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think used to, to your point, we had these boxes, we had our work box, our home box, our church, our friends, our family, we had the boxes and they were supposed to be clean and separate. But the reality is life is messy and it all overlaps so much. And I used to feel a tug of war. If I was doing home stuff, I felt like I should be doing client work. Or if I was doing client work, I felt guilty for not doing things with the kids. But I've learned it is a messy thing and balance is probably the wrong term. Like a work-life balance, is that even a thing? It's just life. And we have to make sure and set boundaries around parts of life to stay healthy and integrated. And yeah, and like you said, even when our kids were younger, maybe I was working under a grand deadline and they were kind of crazy. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to finish this up. I just need a little bit longer. It's going to help people get food for their food pantry. And here's what it is. And like, I would just kind of show them and explain it based on their age and what they could understand. And they got it. And then they're like, oh, cool. Okay. And so then that would just give me like the 20 minutes I needed to finish and get it out the door. And then I could be fully present with them. So yeah, it's a constant figuring out and changing with the seasons and being able to adapt with that, which is a learning curve. I mean, there's, there's no set manual for every situation and every possible season, but it's definitely a growth journey for sure. And I think you you said something really important and that's so you could be present and that's really important. And I mean, the one thing I've gotten away from for the most part, I think we all get tied up in it here and there, but, but for me, when I leave my office at night, at least half of the week, I don't even bring my phone upstairs because it's going to ring. I'm going to get 50, 50 messages on LinkedIn. I'm going to get another 20 on Slack. I'm going to get another 30 on whatever platform. And the hard thing about being a business owner 
is saying, (laughs) (laughs) I need to answer that. Right. Uh And then you get pulled in and all of a sudden you left the office at five and it's nine. And the kids and just are in one bed. Quick message, one quick and thing. It's gone, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I've learned to do a lot of that in my mm-hmm. life with yeah. uh, with our kids too. So, yeah, I've turned right. off almost all app notifications on my phone, which has helped a lot. <laughs> Not having the constant inter- interruptions and dinging and chiming, and it's it's been a lot more peaceful. <laughs> uh, I think th- what you two have said about this dynamic of family and work life is so important. I can't recall if it was the seven habits of highly effective people or uh, games people play by Eric Byrne. But one of those books had spoken about this idea of like kids want to work, like they want to contribute to what you're doing. It's a healthy part of their development, being able to to have a job and be like, oh, I'm doing this and what that does for their growth. And knowing that entrepreneurs are at the helm of that just intuitively, you know, it's not scientifically in a lab somewhere developing some kind of psychological thesis and on what that means. You're like, Hey, check this out. You know, I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs like a lot like yourself. So being able to hear that and see that and knowing what that's going to do for them, it's incredible and, and encouraging entrepreneurs to continue to find ways to implement that. I'm all I'm here for it. And, and, and getting back to the narrative, right. You, you've got the, the teaching that you're developing, you just got it certified, you're working on all that. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to? Sure. Well, they can listen to the podcast, which is Grant Writing Simplified, and that is for grant writers and nonprofits. They can connect with me on LinkedIn. I love hearing and seeing people's work and what they're doing as well. And then also on my website, contact form, TeresaHuff.com. They're welcome to reach out and send me a message there. And it's always fun hearing who's on the other side of the podcast or the website or whatever, and just hearing the real stories about people out there doing good work in the world. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, before I go to the grand finale, I want to check in with Jason, just because uh, I know I I, I took the conversation in a certain direction. So I want to make sure everything's still good. I had something, but it went. I don't know where it went. It just left me. I don't know what happened to it. But, Take your time. Um, oh no, 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 no. I remember now. Uh, so you were you were talking about your kids being part of of uh the work balance and whatnot. And it's funny because it's interesting because I know the impact that what I do has an impact on my six-year-old son. Because a lot of times he'll he'll come down, hang out in the office. I'm like, more admin morning or something right and he'll have my headphones on and he'll be just like yeah so you know you know you got to increase your top line and uh you know make sure you're watching your PL and your trailing indicators and leading indicators and all this so i know he pays attention to what i say right and one time <laughs> he he happened to walk in i was chewing out a client right and I was throwing some serious F-bombs out, right? And then a couple weeks later, he's down here and he's like, yeah, you know what, Bob? God damn it. You need to. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, it's coming uh, back to you. <laughs> you know? So it's like uh, they absorb everything and they listen to it and they learn from it. So, mm-hmm. so but, uh, but, but it's interesting because 
they absolutely want to be a part of it. So. Yeah. And at six years old to be using those financial terms and that lingo <laughs> so natural for him, yeah, yeah, he's going to yeah. grow up to where that's normal. Yeah. And how incredible is that, that yeah. he already understands and can navigate some of those concepts that, yeah. you know, may not be introduced normally until college level or further. Right. So that's amazing to start influencing that at such a young age, but you're showing, not telling. If you right. were to sit your six-year-old down and say, now, son, listen to me, let's yeah. have a lesson <laughs> on finance and how you can invest. <laughs> He'll be like, dad, I'm going to go play cars. <laughs> right. But by just living it out, he is absorbing so much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I always felt like with our kids, if they were asking things, even when they were really little, I would just tell them, like, even if it was big words and stuff, they might not understand. Like, how does that work? One time our kids, one of our kids said, how do you make TVs? I was like, I have no idea, (laughs) but let's look it up. (laughs) So, I mean, with your stuff, sure. Let them listen in, teach them how Mm -hmm. it's done. Yeah. It's good stuff. That was what what I was thinking about. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. It, It's true. (laughs) It's true. I'm here for that. I think that's uh, it goes in line with the theme of like education, you know, grant writing and what that means, family, work-life balance, all the, it's just been a solid conversation all the way through. So with that said, I'm curious with the grand finale here, if you could have invited anyone to listen and be part of all that, that happened today, who would you have loved to have had here? And, and why do you think that is? You know, I love this question. <laughs> and like I said, I would love to just reflect on it, but The one that keeps popping into my head would be Queen Esther from the Bible, if you're familiar with her story. I mean, she was just kind of a nobody and ended up married to the queen, but she was able to influence and save an entire nation. But she did it very strategically with a lot of wisdom and a very smart, slower approach. And so she is one that I would just love to sit and listen and ask her questions. And I know it had to take so much courage to step into that leadership role and do some of those things she did. I mean, literally risking her life at times. And so I think she would be a really interesting sidekick to have on an interview. Yeah. I actually can appreciate that answer specifically because of how you mentioned those qualities and highlighted them and how I really feel that you've also exhibited that that stable, calm decision-making, thinking strategically before making any actual decisions. What does this actually look like? What are we trying to achieve? All the things that you covered and that, that, that tonality is something that you've exhibited. So it really is cool to see that that's something that you have as an ambition of someone to speak to. And yet here you are exhibiting those very things, at least as far as I can uh, gather from the tidbits that you've shared of your life and how you've interacted and operated with it. And again, that's why I love asking that question because it really does reflect a lot of, you can never find out all of a person from one conversation, but you can find out enough to go, wow, I can really appreciate that coming from that person, right? From you. So with that said, again, uh, I want to reiterate where people can connect with you because we say it before, but we want to say it again, just in case they were wondering. So the podcast and where else? Website? TeresaHuff.com. And there's a contact tab, or you can leave a voicemail there on the website and it'll come straight to me. And I'd love to continue the conversation. 
right on. Well, those are those are my thoughts. Thanks for stopping by. I'll turn it over to Jason now. Yeah, thanks for being here. Great conversation. Um, and I always like to say, time is always of the essence, right? So you can replace a lot of things in life, cars and money and all that stuff, right? But time, you can't. So thanks for stopping by here and just spending a little bit of time with us and adding some value to our audience. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an honor to talk with you both. And I look forward to talking again soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.